Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 17th, 2016. And this is part three of uh, a severe study of Pandora's dreams. Because um, that's what we live through. It's to do with constant conflict, uh, perception management, all of these things. And you're, you're trained, of course, constantly from birth for what's to come so that you will see the events in the way that your masters want you to see them. In fact, they don't have to do much work when they prepared your mind in advance. You'll automatically go into putting them into the proper, every, every event in the proper little slot, the pigeonhole that's been prepared for you. And uh, it's quite easy. Now, I'll touch on something I just mentioned, I think, last week, but I didn't go through. And uh, it's from Global Research, which, again, is kind of Marxist and its concepts and so on. But there's a lot of good information here, too. But it's always amazed me that <laughs> how one system really doesn't vary from another system, or even its supposed opposite system, because they use the same techniques of training children to make to make sure that they grow up to be the the properly conditioned adults with their, their proper beliefs and so on. Uh, they, they can see it in their enemies, but they they don't mention it about themselves and things like that. It's just it's sad, isn't it? You know the hypocrisy that's involved in everything pretty well. But this article here says there's an unspoken yet very clear bond between Hollywood and the U.S. government that overtly supports U.S. foreign policy. I mean, that is, so that is very true, certainly. It says the movie industry in Hollywood has been active in hiding U.S. war crimes and sanitizing the U.S. military campaigns in NATO-garrisoned Afghanistan, Anglo-American-occupied Iraq, and elsewhere in the world. Moreover, the dominance of Hollywood as a tool of cultural imperialism in Europe and the rest of the world make Hollywood films an excellent tool from getting Washington and they get their ideas out internationally and sedating global audiences with misleading narratives. And it's so true. One of the biggest exports to the U.S. for a long, long time has been Hollywood movies. It isn't just about war and so on. It, of course, is about... Um, culture and cultural change and how you should behave uh, for the new system that they'll, they're always bringing in, the next part of the new system. And uh, and you're trained for it in advance to feel guilty about certain things that you, if you don't hold the right values, etc., etc. Anyway, it says, uh, aside from news and media, alerts, it should come as no surprise that most ideas and notions that the general public in the U.S. and elsewhere have about wars come from movies, television sets, radio programs, video games, and the entertainment industry. Movies and the entertainment industry are ideal for identifying roles for audiences. In many instances, movies and the entertainment industry surpass media outlets in shaping the perceptions of audiences about wars and conflicts. They're used to identify which individuals, groups, peoples, and nations are heroes or victims, aggressors or villains. In this regard, Hollywood vilifies countries like Iran, China, Russia, Cuba, and North Korea, while it lionizes the United States. And it really does, isn't it? I mean, how many, how many movies have they churned out since Gulf War I uh, up to the present time to do with fighting Arabs? And often, the fighting of the Arabs is just a side note in some other story involved in it. So, so it's, it's this constant... And no one ever says, why are we here? Who benefits? Who benefits from all this? Never asked. And I mentioned years ago, in fact, 
about some a documentary was put out years and years ago called Re- Real Bad Arabs. And it goes through lots of clips from cartoons from the 50s and 60s and 70s and so on, uh, from Hollywood as well, about and movies about real bad Arabs, how, how they all look the same, they're villainous looking, they have these curved knives and that, and you can't trust them. And they're, They've been doing this for forever, it seems, you see. They're used to identify which individuals, groups, and so on are, are heroes and villains, basically. And it says, In this regard, Hollywood vilifies countries like Iran, China, Russia, Cuba, and North Korea, while it lionizes the United States. It also warps the historical narratives, does it ever, eh? <laughs> and reifies revisionist narratives of history in a far stretch from the historical facts and reality. This is why most U.S. citizens and many Western Europeans believe that the outcome of the Second World War in Europe was decided in Atlantic by the U.S. and not in Eastern Europe and Central Asia by the Soviet Union. Uh, it says, perceptions of most people in the U.S. and Western Europe are influenced by Hollywood and the entertainment industry and not history textbooks or scholarly works. Polls taken in France by the French Institute of Public Opinion about the Second World War demonstrate how U.S. cultural imperialism by means of Hollywood's influence has played out. 57% of the French citizens polled in 1945 believed that Germany was defeated in the Second World War because of the Soviet Union, whereas 20% believed it was due to the U.S. and 12% thought it was because of the British. These views become distorted by 1994 when 25% of the French citizens poll believe that it was because of the Soviets that Hitler was defeated, whereas 49% believed it was because of the U.S. and 16% believed it was because of Britain. By 2004, only 20% of the French citizens surveyed recognized the Soviet Union as the main force for ending the Second World War in Europe, whereas 58% believed it was the U.S. and 16% uh, thought it was Britain. It's all from movies, you see. We can infer that the younger generations or birth cohorts that did not experience the Second World War are having the perception shaped by modern mass media, specifically movies and the entertainment industry. That's why the CNN's Christian uh, Amanpour was able to boldly declare on June 6, 2014 at the 70th anniversary of D-Day from the Chateau de Benville in France that the American effort, the supremely heroic effort of the U.S. under General Eisenhower and President Roosevelt during World War II has been one that the whole continent, meaning Europe, has thanked America for the last 70 years. While taking a swipe at Russia and undermining its role in the Second World War, CNN's Amanpour also said that the French government has emphasized that this is a day to thank the United States and thank the U.S., most particularly for turning around the course of history. So it's so true. Everything now, history's always been rewritten according to the needs of your oligarchical dominant minority, basically, uh, in whatever age you're, you're born into. That's how you're shaped to suit them, you see. And the vertical integration of Hollywood with the military-industrial complex, awfully important. Now remember, too, <laughs> I mean, the BBC radio used plays and so on for World War I to get propaganda really going. Um, you'll always find that whatever means of mass communication from the, the basic uh, newspaper and even to class, class 
distinction uh, kept creeping into that too. With here's a working man's tabloid, here's the here's a big business massive paper, uh, etc. For the businessman, it, it's, it's all covered. Every there's even ones for, for, for bureaucrats to keep them in their little box as well, and magazines and so on. I've come given talks about this years ago, and they're up there somewhere in archives at cutting through the matrix dot com. But anyway, it says here that the recognized establishment of ties between Hollywood and the U.S. government began with production of the silent war movie Wings in 1927. The silent movie was about the First World War and relied heavily on the U.S. Army Air Corps, which is the aerial wing of the U.S. Army. Ever since the making of Wings in 1927, there's been a close partnership between the Pentagon and Hollywood that has expanded and blossomed to include other government bodies and agencies, including members of the 16-member U.S. Uh, intelligence community, such as the Central Intelligence Agency. This has led to the vertical integration of Hollywood and the entertainment industry into the military-industrial complex, which has, in essence, reduced Hollywood movies to tools of cultural imperialism and camouflaged U.S. propaganda. And there's a lot of, I didn't ask if, if it's actually U.S. propaganda. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, parties interested in, in, in how you think and how you can be trained to think. A lot of parties in the world. The U.S. government has began to increasingly manipulate the contents of Hollywood movie script and to glamorize and lionize the U.S. military and its campaigns. The Pentagon and U.S. government will not assist movie or television productions that reveal the true malevolent role of U.S. wars. And it is true, I mean, why do you think that the U.S. is the main battering ram for the wars today? Which they don't call wars, most of them. And why do you think it is that most folk don't question the very simple propaganda they're given for being involved in it in the first place? It's because they train the population. That, to be proud to put on a uniform and, and so if that's the case You're just a mercenary Because you're going to go off to kill Whoever you're told to kill Without even bothering to, to ask Why we're killing them You don't care in other words They must be bad Because somebody in your government says so That's quite fascinating really How easy that is isn't it To, to make it happen but since financial and material assistance is only given to productions that make wars in U.S. foreign policy look like a heroic and noble solution. The author of the book Operation Hollywood, Dave Robb, does an excellent job of documenting this. For example, the Pentagon had the entire plot and script changed in the 1961 episode of Lassie named Timmy and the Martians. The episode was originally supposed to be about the protagonist's dog, Lassie, howling to alert Timmy of a plane crash. The producers originally wanted to do a show where a U.S. airplane crashed because it had a design fault that Lassie could sense due to a high-pitched noise and thus identify. The U.S. military, however, would not accept any script that would even remotely suggest the U.S. military hardware could have a design fault. This is because U.S. government and the Pentagon did not want children to think the U.S. military equipment could be faulty because it would hurt future recruitment for the U.S. military. So the circumstances of the plane's crash had to be rewritten for the show to get Pentagon support. The relationship has, in effect, sanitized U.S. wars and invasions while it has justified Washington's foreign policy. 
It's led to production of historically twisted movies. At one end of the spectrum in Hollywood, this has led to Hollywood self-censorship, whereas at the other end of the spectrum, it's led to government-subsidized propaganda. Hollywood scriptwriters draft movie scripts that are self-censored because they know that they will be asking for assistance from the Pentagon and U.S. government, which can significantly reduce Hollywood production's budget and save its producers a lot of money. You ever wonder why you get these movies and they actually have actors on real you know, warships or, or, or aircraft carriers and they've got all the jets going, do you think... They're not paying for that, folks. You understand that? I mean, it costs a fortune just to rent it for a day. So it's all part of this co-production, you see. And it says, Hollywood scripts are constantly modified and scarred, and the Pentagon even has an entity in Los Angeles that deals with Hollywood directors and producers called the Film Liaison Unit, you see. Hollywood's role in hiding the U.S. war crimes, and it goes through movies like Top Gun, and promotional and recruitment material, and so on, and Green Berets to distort the role of the U.S. in wars and movies like Argo, which the CIA is reported to have uh, in fact checked to distort the perception of history. Hollywood movies like The Iron Man and Lone Survivor never explain the circumstances behind the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan and Central Asia. They merely present the U.S. presence there as an invited one, and even the U.S. contingents are there as simply peacekeepers. Movies like Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, portray the U.S. as having a mandate to act with impunity anywhere in the world, including Russia and China, by disregarding the sovereignty of other nations, and even placing U.S. military bases on their soil. So you see how everybody's been trained, so when they grow up, they won't quite get any questions when they're asked to put that uniform on. That would seem all quite normal to them. And the U.S. military has no jurisdiction on Chinese soil, nor does the Pentagon have a base in Russia's territory. These Hollywood movies naturalize U.S. interference in other countries and create a false impression that the right, that U.S. military has the right to do whatever it wants. Remember, I mean, oh, what do you say? I mean, um, when Bush Jr. Uh, had to testify at the hearing about why they eventually went in and, and basically put Iraq back to the Stone Age, and never mentioned, of course, naturally any truth about the fact they were following a policy that um, Brzezinski and Kissinger and them had worked on to do exactly that, to put the, all these nations back to the Stone Age so they could never be a threat to anybody, they couldn't unite together to, to get any political power, and so on. Uh, so they were awfully successful. But George Bush, when he was asked the question at the hearing, why did you go and kill Saddam Hussein? Uh, because he, because of uh, 9-11. He said, oh, I never said it had anything to do with 9-11. Uh, see, I, I just think he's a bad man and the world's better off without him. Well, if you can use a, a massive military machine uh, to, to eradicate people because you think he's a bad guy and the world's better off without them, uh, you better toss all the different treaties and, and uh, points of law out the, out the window altogether because you're just, uh, you, you aren't going by anybody, anybody's law, obviously. Yep. And then it says here, aside from not addressing the darker side of the foreign policy, uh, the, the movies like Forrest Gump 
carry subliminal messages. In the words of the US culture and entertainment magazine Rolling Stone, the message of Forrest Gump was that if you think about the hard stuff too much, you know, like things that matter, you'll either get AIDS or lose your legs. Meanwhile, the hero is the idiot who just shrugs and says, whatever. Uh, whenever his country asks him to do something crazy, uh, what Rolling Stone is saying, that, li- that uh, listen what to, to what you're commanded to do, it says here. It's not the best of writing this, but that's what it says here. And then remember that one too, life is like a box of chocolate, see? <laughs> you looked at the stuff in, in the chocolates today, there's nothing chocolatey or real about any of it. It's just a mass of chemicals. Anyway, uh, then there are movies like American Sniper that collapse US foreign policy into a simplistic notion of individual characters. What it does is collapse the event and the soldiers into one, which means that if one criticizes a U.S. war, that you are attacking the soldiers and their convictions. This is hiding behind the soldiers and detracting from the real issue of an illegal invasion and occupation. Nor is there any mention of Abu Ghraib or the false weapons of mass destruction lies. Rolling Stone has this to say about American Sniper. Sniper is a movie whose politics are so ludicrous and idiotic that under normal circumstances it would be beneath uh, criticism. The only thing that forces us to take it seriously is the extraordinary fact that an almost exactly similar worldview consumed the walnut-sized mind of the president who got us into the war in question. Well, Bush Jr. was just doing what he was told. You know darn well he was. And look at the group he was, he was all part of. Here. It's the fact that the movie is popular and actually makes sense to so many people that's a problem. It also adds, in fact, as a result of the movie, there was an increase in hate crimes in the U.S. and negative feelings towards Arabs and Muslims. <laughs> but so that doesn't matter. And remember, too, it could be your turn next. You just don't know. I mean, they're already picking in different segments of society if you don't go along with all the, the, the new things, you know, but worrying about your, you know, your, your gender, your, your, et cetera, or bathrooms. And they're, all, they're already making movies to make you feel bad about wanting to have, retain some kind of what you see as common sense. That would be called bigotry and all that, you see, and various kinds of phobias. And that's how it is today. You're, you're under, see, you're already under a form of legalism by accepting things and, and shutting your mouth. Uh, it, becomes a, it becomes a form of legalism. You acquiesce by silence. And silence be caused by intimidation and fear, you see, of, of lawsuits for just saying something or voicing your opinion, if you're not sure of it. I mean... That's how you find out about things. You, when you're with co- good company, you, you voice opinions back to any feedback, uh, and they might show you other sides of things you never thought of, etc., etc. That's how we learn. Now you're scared to ask anything. Hollywood helped sanitize U.S. war crimes and create false images. Uh, so it's no surprise that Hollywood movies are part of intelligence operations either. When Ben Affleck, the director of the movie Argo and the admirer of the CIA that collaborated with them in the making of Argo, was asked by Catherine Shord if Hollywood was filled with CIA agents. His response was to say, I think that Hollywood is probably full of CIA agents. (laughs) 
It's worth quoting a U.S. Senator, Tom Hayden, about the CIA's involvement in Hollywood. Think about that. It's not that Hollywood is in bed with the CIA in some repugnant way, but the agency is looking to plant positive images about itself, in other words, propaganda, through our most popular forms of entertainment. So natural has the CIA entertainment connection become that few question its legal or moral ramifications. This is a government agency like no other. The truth of its operations is not subject to public examination. When the CIA's hidden persuaders influence a Hollywood movie, it's using a popular medium to spin a favourable image of itself as, as far as possible, or at least prevent an unfavourable one from taking hold. If incestuous enough, Jenkins argues, these relationships violate the spirit or letter of government laws. Uh, it's quite a long article, anyway, but I mean, that's almost at the end of it. I've read it, but quite a long one. It's worth reading again and again just to get things through your head or to give you things to even look up for yourself, some of the topics mentioned in it and so on. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm lucky I don't, I don't, I haven't watched TV for many, many years. And I have seen people who do watch TV, and, and, and it's very obvious they adapt and adopt various cultural changes that are broadcast into their heads. Now, I'll also put up an article on George Soros and how he's been involved with, under the guise of philanthropy, uh, the European refugee crisis and so on, and helping it get going in the first place. But uh, it gets a little bit of his history as he helps manipulate the world's stock markets and his pals that help chip in with them, and they all make fortunes, along with your, from your bad luck and from your, your bad advice and all the rest of it, and under your bad governments, he always makes a massive fortune. But uh, he sinks countries as well. It's an old technique. Economic warfare is very, very, very efficient indeed. But uh, it tells you here that um, some of the, the deals he's made and how he made fortunes too off of them by sinking countries and so on. And his big, supposedly, uh, philanthropic organization is called the Open Society Foundations. Now, uh, the big gang that runs foundations, I've done so much history on them before, uh, they bypass governments. In fact, they put a lot of governments in power. Uh, it's private organizations, these philanthropists, you know, they just want to help themselves. Uh, but uh, they really have so much power today, the Gates and all the rest of them too, working with the established ones that have been on the go for an awful long time that again want world government and they've been working towards it with the Trilateral Commission, etc. As long as they are the ones at the top running everything behind the scenes. And it's all been working awfully, awfully well. Uh, so it says, since the 1980s, Soros has actively been pursuing a globalist agenda, and he advances the agenda through the Open Society Foundations. Uh, then he goes into the globalist agenda, where does it come from, and so on, a little bit about his history. And then um, his venture into finance and so on, and how he helped sink certain countries eventually, and how much money, I think a billion dollars, he, he profited from in 2007 for the coming crash of America. It's uh, awfully good, you know, when you, you and your cronies can uh, manipulate everything to happen, when you're in on the, the very pinnacle of crime at the top, you know. I'll put that up tonight too. And then I'll put up um, this one, 
German public say of Wiedersheim to a refugee's welcome. A new study has revealed that German attitudes towards mass migration have dramatically shifted and that the year of refugees' welcome may be coming to an end. This is terror attacks in Paris and, and Brussels and a migrant crime epidemic which included the mass sexual assault of young women on New Year's Eve in Cologne and across Germany have changed German attitudes drastically according to the findings of a socio-psychological study. And it goes through some of that too in percentages and statistics and all the usual stuff. But um, I think if, if there's anything really happening there, it's because some of the top feminists, if you want to call them that, leaders in Germany, really said it's the greatest thing that ever happened to get rid of the, <laughs> the German males and replace them. So when you think about it, it's uh, that was a bit too boastful, I think, for for the the, the males that are left there and. Um, uh, the, the, when, you, when you basically have declared war openly on your own people, uh, then things have to happen or that, that people just go under, obviously. And I think it would be rather abnormal not to respond to the, the kind of statements by leaders that have come out uh, uh, blatantly. It's a, the declarations of war on them, basically. Well, there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be blowback, obviously. That's what's happening. Then you get into this kind of stuff. NATO agrees to reinforce Eastern Poland, Baltic states against Russia. Now, before I touch this, actually, I should really stay on that last bit about Germany and all that, because we've got this thing going on, supposedly, with uh, France, and there are so many people, and, and there are people out there who, who won't believe anything at all that will happen, or, or, or is claimed to have happened, to do with terrorism, because there's so many things never seem right. I mean, one of the biggest complaints about this thing with France is that uh, this big uh, lorry, the big heavy lorry, that was said to have been driven through uh, crowds uh, at that um, fireworks festival on the, on the Bastille Day and all that. And they say that uh, there was no blood anywhere. Now, it's true for anybody who lives in a place like Canada, where you, you drive in the country, and at night, if you're on a highway, uh, I can remember the road went past me, uh, that was the main highway at the time. Now it's just uh, it's gone, really. But the old the old highway didn't have underpasses for animals to pass through or anything. And if you drove at night, you would see the remains of bits and pieces of all things, bears, wolves, uh, you name it, uh, scattered. And when they were hit by tractor trailers and, and uh, the smearing, and this is awful, but that's what, what it was like, the smearing of blood and so on from even one could go on for a hundred odd feet or more all across the road. So when you when you got a stack of people being killed and more more down like that, uh, it would have been an awful, awful, incredible, awfully me- awful mess. But now I don't know if that's... Uh, yeah, you, all we get is what we're fed. That's all we're given. And that's why there's so much speculation on everything. And I know, I know that France doesn't churn out any great movies... So they don't have the best special effects that they do in Hollywood and so on for these kind of things. So, but if they if they plan it again, they should get you know get put more money into special effects. If this was basically uh, a false flag type thing, I mean, because we just really, really don't know anymore. But again, isn't that part of the total confusion system that we live in today? I've read the articles from top military advisors now over years now who've said consistently 
that uh, terrorism are going, is going to be with you your entire lives and into the next generation and probably beyond. Other ones have said forevermore and get used to it. So they have to, these things will keep happening, real or not, and, and um, that's the way it's going to be because you, they can't allow you to go anywhere back to this idea of democracy. I say the idea of democracy. They can't allow that. Uh, because they, they would lose total control. The things you can get away with when you've got a form of protecting the people, a kind of martial law, without saying it that way, you see. They, they don't want you to say it that way. Um, but what they can get away with is, is incredible. I mean, it's the dream of tyrants. It always has been. It's also very profitable for those who live off this massive industry, you see. It's, and it is a massive industry. So... It's, it's really, really sad. That's that. That's the state we're in today, where it's perpetual. Where it's real or not, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? It really doesn't make any sense. On and on and on and on and on. It goes. It doesn't make any sense. But then again, as I say, I have this desired effect because um, you can wrap the, the event into an next movie, you see, and then tie in with more obscure things into the same movie and it'll be real in the minds of those who in a two or three years will be joining up into the military. Now it says here, NATO agrees to reinforce eastern Poland and the Baltic states against Russia. Uh, so, you know, it's... <sighs> nothing changes, eh? Just resurrect the bear when there's no other enemies or, or people are getting fed up with the, the, the newer wars in the Middle East and so on. Just resurrect uh, the Russian bear and so on. So it says, uh, so Warsaw NATO leaders agreed Friday to deploy military force to the Baltic states in eastern Poland for the first time and increase the air and sea patrols to reassure allies who were once part of the Soviet bloc following Russia's seizure of Crimea from Ukraine. And it's, uh, it's interesting too how it's worded, if you understand it, because the Warsaw Pact... If anybody remembers that, it's, just, it's how it, it forms in your mind. The Warsaw Pact was the old pact with the, with the Soviet bloc countries. But here they're using Warsaw and NATO. Warsaw and NATO leaders. Now, NATO isn't based in Warsaw, as you well know. But again, rather than say um, NATO leaders met in Warsaw on Friday. You see, it's to, it's to give you that feeling of a block again, a block again. You think a Soviet. Immediately, your mind goes back to the Cold War. You see, Warsaw. Warsaw block. Anyway, the talk be here about um, the, deploy, uh, the West, in other words, is going to deploy military forces to the Baltic states in eastern Poland for the first time and increase air and sea patrols to reassure allies who were once part of the Soviet bloc following Russia's seizure of Crimea from Ukraine. The 28-nation Western Defence Alliance decided to move four battalions totaling 3,000 to 4,000 troops into northeastern Europe on a rotating basis to display its readiness to defend eastern members against any Russian aggression. Aggression. Anyway, they, they go on and on and on and say these battalions will be robust and they will be multinational. That makes it okay then. You see, they're multinational. They're PC. You see, what does robust mean? They'll be robust. Hmm? 
They make any small force like that is meant to be used if they get wiped out as a sacrifice to get a war started. That's what you use small forces like that, a presence they call it. It says they make clear that an attack on one ally would be considered an attack on the whole alliance. So here you go again with these um, involvements with the treaties and, and alliances and so on. NATO Secretary General Jens uh, Saltenberg told a news conference after the summit's first working session in Warsaw, the Polish capital. President Barack Obama said the United States will deploy around 1,000 soldiers in Poland under the plan to enhance our forward presence in Central and Eastern Europe. And Germany will lead the battalion in Lithuania, Britain and Estonia, and Canada and Latvia. Other nations such as France will supply troops. I don't see where. Anyway, um, I'll put this article up tonight too. It goes on again. And uh, it's, it's the usual kind of thing, the saber-rattling. But again, this, a lot of this is written too to terrify the public. Remember, as I've said before, it's the reason for keeping you safe is first you've got to terrify the public and then keep them safe from this terror you've just uh, invoked, real or imaginary, you see. And people will comply and go along with things and accept more things and they'll say, save us and all the rest of it. Uh, and no one ever says, well, is this another big, long Cold War ploy type thing uh, where a lot of, you know, Oligarchs and that, big corporations make a lot of money with their latest weaponry and everything they'll need in that area, yada yada, and missiles galore, etc., etc. And then you get the, the, the thousand and one models of, of the latest missile, missile, anti-missile, missile, missile, and so on. And this rubbish, this rubbish, you see, that goes on forever as they soak the taxpayer. But it also has this thing of, see, we're all together, we're multinational. This whole idea of coming out of Europe has got to be nipped in the bud. You see, this Brexit idea. So, uh, it, it, all this is involved here of massive public relations exercises and to terrify the public that, oh, you've you got to stay together. you got to stay together, you see. Or, or we've had it. And all that kind of stuff. Uh, you're always being manipulated. You don't realise it. There's so many ways to do it. But you're always being manipulated by your masters, and and you're, they're paid, paid uh, masterminds who work the brain. You know the the brain of the public. They they work it. They decide what they want you to believe and do and think, and they even put in a little, a little as I say, like little um, word associations. So you you put a new the word and it was familiar from another era and make it. Refamiliarize with the idea of, of terror looming over you. And all those movies you saw with James Bond, that, and the, going to Russia and things like that. Oh my God, you see. You're, yeah, you're all prepped for it. You're all prepped. And also the Ukraine and NATO uh, complementary allies against Russia. I'll put that one up too. And then this one here. A Canadian-led battle group will deploy to Latvia as part of the NATO move to deter Russia. Uh, from what, I wonder? Mm. Mm. I mean, doesn't that just annoy people? I mean, if you're getting ganged up on big time, how do you react to it? <laughs> Come on, in the playground or something. Um, how do you react to that? 
Meanwhile, for years and years, the U.S. has been putting, again, the latest missile, missile, anti-missile, missile, missile, yada, yada, yada. Um, big bucks for the gut to make, guys that make it and the guys that share, isn't it? But they've been doing, putting them into all around Russia for years and years and years. In fact, I think they started big time with Reagan, and then they've never stopped. That's a lot of missile missiles, and missile anti-missile missiles, and anti-missile missiles, etc., etc. Mark this, that, the other, uh, or it's too slow, and we need another marked by tomorrow. And then it's obsolete within a week. Oh, we need another one. Oh, it's big business, eh? Big business. Ooh. There you go. And I'll put that up tonight, too. And this one is just <laughs> it's hilarious to me. The FBI recommends no charges against Hillary Clinton over emails. Well, were you really thinking that something was going to happen here? Who who really believed uh, that she'd be putting a charge? Who who's been leading you up the garden path by the by the nose? Eh? <laughs> the Clintons were protected before they even became known to the public. They were protected by the CIA from the very beginning. Yeah. Bill, too, was picked as a Rhodes Scholar for global governance, etc. And they're allowed to fill their own pockets, mightily so, on the way to it, you see. Yeah, they are. And the CIA covered his rear end on many occasions. That's why he emerged unscathed from all that. And Hillary's the same, you see. And folk thought that she was going to get, who's giving you all this nonsensical drama? Hey, who is it? Uh, and you think you're learning? Really? You get caught up in rubbish like that put out for you to get involved in? Oh, we're going to see justice in my lifetime. Oh, really? You guy, go back to school. The school of life, for goodness sake. And I've given talks, too, in the past about marketers, public relation experts. In other words, professional liars. That's what public relations is all about. Covering the derriere of your master, whoever happens to be, who you're appointed to, to guard. And when they say something a bit too harsh and straightforward, you've got to obscure it, you see. And, and reiterate it again until no one understands what you're talking about. And that's the preferred way to give stuff to the general public. Make sure that nobody can understand the darn thing you're talking about by the time you're finished. And there's one link to a video I'm going to put up tonight as well. Uh, But emergency meeting in Russia and how Kerry, the State Department, is over there uh, talking to Putin. And then they flash back to the U.S. and spokesmen there, the PR agents, um, Deny it all initially And then go back and forth Denying it And agreeing with it And denying it And so I mean How can grown adults Behave like this And yet We're fed it from the day We're born This tripe on television Doesn't matter what country you're in And and everything that comes out Of anybody's mouth For any institution Right down to your local police force Is always a public relations expert Which means they're going to lie to you so why would you ever expect the truth? That's what astonishes me. I've never figured that out. Why? Why? I mean, they say hope springs eternal. Is that what it is? One day, I'll wake up and people 
who are in charge of everything, will tell me the truth. And be awfully nice. Thank you. I mean, do you really believe that's going to happen? Hmm? I don't think there's ever been honesty when it comes to power and ruling nations, or even tribes for that matter. Well, a tribe's got more chance of getting honesty if it's a small enough tribe. And once you start hereditary chieftains, forget it, because they can then use an army and to, and keep you in your place, basically, and keep themselves in in that place too, and their descendants. You know, especially if they create a money system, they can hire the goons that, that form the army to protect the king and all his relatives uh, from all of you that are getting taxed into the dirt. So, you know, there's never been really truth told about anything. Really, really hasn't. You know. And it never will be. I mean, whole careers. Imagine getting trained for a career and professional lying to the general public. Quite something, eh? Adults, adults doing this. Every child is born and comes into the world and the parents start off, now tell the truth, Johnny, tell the truth, you know? You're lying, you're lying. No, I'm not. Oh, you are. Tell the truth now. And here's degrees given to people who are trained as professional liars who lie to the folk who supposedly uh, are the government, especially in the U.S. This is the biggest thing for me. I mean, the U.S. and this, the U.S., they believe that they are the government. That what a schizophrenic attitude to have, right? That the people are the government. And... They have the right to get rid of that particular government um, if, if you see a deviation in those who are elected to govern, you see. But remember, the people who are elected to govern still only can act within uh, what the people supposedly, who are the government, want. But you never see that, do you? I mean, the schizophrenic thing is, yeah, they've all got rights, you see, and they are the government. But every newspaper article never mentioned, there's none of them mentioned the fact that they are the government people. And that the representatives are there wherever they happen to be. They're not leaders. They're they're elected representatives to represent the people, you see, who are the government. The people are the government. But every article you'll ever read is just like the British one or any European one who never had a war of independence, you see. Uh, And and the the papers always say um, the leaders of... America or the US, the leaders of that are meeting with leaders of Britain. No, no, it's supposed to be, as far as I can figure out, you see, from my studies and things, that the US would come down like a ton of bricks if you say leaders. They're your representatives because the people are the government. And the any representative is there to tell other ones who have never had freedom as such, uh, leaders of countries, um, what the people want and back at home in their country. Uh, when did, wh- I've never seen it in my lifetime. Have you seen it? you ever seen it portrayed the way in my newspaper, the way it's supposed to be? No, and you won't. Don't hold your breath because you see, everybody has been perfectly psychologically taken care of with perception management and in total indoctrination. Why do you think they gave you the cult of the personality in the U.S.? That wasn't always like that. 
Not, not at all. In fact, Adams and some of these guys, the new Washington, didn't like Washington at all. But they stood together because they're all Masons and would vote on the same things, supposedly for the good of, of the people in the country. But since then, Hollywood again has made the personality cult. You got Lincoln too; he's, he's a superhero for goodness' sake, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Until you end up with whichever one that they've lauded up to the very, very top. But each one is supposed to be a representative of the people, who only is supposed to go along and demand and say what the people want. When have the people of the U.S. ever been asked what they think about anything in an official capacity? I mean, the only country that had the same kind of thing on the go, the same same kind of thing on the go, is Switzerland, where anything at all uh, that, 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 say, Europe or any other country wants from the people of Switzerland it must be put to the people of Switzerland by those they've elected to their government. It must be that way. Anything that will affect you, financially or any other way, has to be put to a public vote. A public vote, you see. And it doesn't matter what any supposed elected representative wants, which is different from the public, he has to go along with the public. That's the law. That's how it's supposed to be in the U.S., that's how it's supposed to be. But you'll never see that in the papers. And But the schizoid attitude of of the people in the States who, who literally, it's beyond, it's triple speak. It's not just double speak like George Orwell talked about. It's triple speak. You know, they can believe this and this and all con- contradicting each other. But they can believe it all at the same time. And that's something. Boy, I tell you, there's you, you think that everyone's out there, as I said before, for your enjoyment. Eh? Cradle to grave. Everyone's out there to keep you happy, sucking your thumb, etc., etc., until you die. Rather than let you be independent, completely independent, as, as best as, as you can possibly be in life. And secure as best as you can possibly be in life. You can't have it all. If, if you want to be dependent, you cannot be an, a free, obviously a free person. Now you're, you've entered an agreement. If you want to be dependent on, on like a socialist type system, now you must agree to that system and everything it will impose upon you and what's going to restrict you from doing and so on. How can you have always? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah. But there you go. And yeah, sure, the money system's totally manipulated too. It's a main main source of uh, maintaining a form of power. (laughs) All these characters who do, the professional liars who go to university, they're paid well, awfully well. Everyone's donating money. And those who run all the money system also get them into the right positions in life, you see, because they're useful tools, well-paid useful tools. And that's a sad comment too, isn't it? Awfully sad that, that from time immemorial, it's sad there's always a segment that'll, they'll basically poop in everybody, folks, to get ahead themselves, to get on in life. Every nation has them. 
And these the the, the, the simple ones are the bought henchmen to protect the guys at the top, regardless of what kind of era it is or the system it is. Or you know, they protect them. They'll do the dirty, dirty jobs. They'll torture and slaughter and so on, and terrify the public to compl- into compliance. All that kind of stuff in every era. All the way up to the ones who are awfully good, again, the trained ones who are awfully good and persuasive to the public, and um, different categories of them too, you see, uh, bought and paid for. And, and they're given, the doors are open for them. If they've been well and truly tested, the doors open to them to enter the right clubs and everything else where they're well taken care of and they're given lots of prestige and they have extra privileges which the general public don't have, you see. The, the system is pretty well total. It really is. And the money boys literally can make anything happen since it's all a cotton game in the first place and a numbers racket, isn't it? It really is. But when you think of beware of foreign entanglements, things like that, and then you have to go to wars because you've signed a treaty maybe years and years ago, with some little country somewhere, and you must, never mind the cost and lives that you're going to dispense with, uh, and all the profits we made from wars, you know, incredible profits. But that's what we live in, isn't it? This double think and triple think and totally conditioned, you see. And, uh, <laughs> As I say, I mean, you're going to get involved in, in lots of slaughter and that because, and never mind the debt, so that generations after you will never be the same either. They're, they're in debt, they're slaves. Uh, because someone signed something somewhere. Really? Eh? Isn't that madness? Especially when you're dealing with people within all countries, who, it's often international groups, you see who are scattered through all these countries, but they're still like a club themselves, who also want war for a different reason that you'll never even find out most of the time. So, really, you should be awfully, awfully careful when people who are supposed to represent you, even though they never asked you, uh, it's okay if we go over there and sign this treaty, do these kind of things and sign you down to absolute conflicts. And you'll never even get the reasons why they start. You'll never get the truth there either, you see. Never. That's unfortunately the world we live in, isn't it? Isn't it really sad? Isn't it awfully, awfully sad, that? But that's the way it is. The hardest thing you find, and always will be, is truth. And you'll never find an honest politician, for goodness sake. Right? In fact, you'll never find, again, anything coming out of any government department through public relations experts because they are professional liars. That's what they do. Ah, oh, dearie. Yeah. And yet, we'll go off and fight wars now because we, we live in a free system. There you are. I think we live in a, 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 an, an insane asylum. I think that's where we live in, to be honest with you. And very few folk can figure it out. That's where you are. Well, really, that's about it. I hope the the weather breaks again because it's, they're calling for more and more thunderstorms. 
and uh, on one decent day yesterday, just one day, and, and actually the sky was blue. <gasps> blue. Do you remember that? It was blue, eh? And there was no, no trails anywhere to be seen for a change. We're so used to them that we, we, we kind of miss them. We think they're normal. Can make you afraid, eh? <gasps> Where's the trails? Oh, my God, there's something wrong. Did they run out of financing to get a spread today? What happened? Isn't that the way of it, eh? And you think, you think, <laughs> where they're telling the papers, it's all real stuff, when you can't even get a normal sky. And then, and then they'll tell you, if you notice it's all sprayed, well, you, you see, that's, that's not, that, that's, that's big CO2 streaks there that, that are man-made by you. You guilty people, you're going to pay for that, they'll say. Everyone's been thought of. Yep. And and very shortly they'll say they'll say blue sky. The guy said blue sky. There's a blue sky. Oh, that. And then they'll teach the children. That's that's a colour of pollution. When the sky is really really blue like that, that's pollution that causes that. Your pollution. You need to pay for that too. That's what we live in, folks. That's what we live in. Quite some, eh? I've got to get books printed. I've been, I've been loathing to get into town and stuff like that. Because half the time I wasn't fit enough and well enough to do it. But I'm going to try to do it shortly. Plus, there was a threat of um, the post office going on strike. Well, it wasn't a strike, sorry. They're having negotiations. They've got a lockout sort of thing. But uh, they're back to negotiating again, too. So things are kind of up in the air, but I'm going to definitely try again and get all the stuff and get it printed, uh, uh, anything that's way behind, I'll get them sent out when I can. Thanks very much. And from Hamish Marcial from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>